0: Oh, looks like you got a little something on your shirt there, buddy. Yeah. Oh, it's a trigger warning. Gotcha. (laughs) Though Sobcast is a podcast about the pursuit of good mental health, we'll be talking about some not so good mental health things like anxiety, depression, and violence against watermelons. No, I'm not kidding. Violence against watermelons. Welcome to Sobcast the Podcast. Hi, I'm Christina Wolfgram, unless something has changed in the last few hours that I don't know about. And today I want to talk to you about my recent experience with a psychic. But one of my mental health friends, as in a friend who's not just a friend, but also a friend I can talk to about mental health stuff recently told me that she had spoken to this psychic. Her name was Terry, and she was like, yeah, it was a pretty good experience. She's very positive, and she just helped me like sort out a lot of the weird feelings I've been having lately. So I immediately texted Terry, Terry with an I, by the way, to see if we could talk as soon as possible. I want to say that getting in touch with a psychic To talk about mental health is the wackiest thing that I've done in the pursuit of getting my brain unscrambled. But over the years, I've talked to a lot of experts about my own brain. I used to regularly visit an herbalist in Glendale named Christy, who poked me in the stomach a lot and gave me sawdusty pills to awaken my ovaries which apparently were the culprit behind my depression. There was Irina, the acupuncturist, Lucy, the EMDR therapist, every hairstylist I've ever met. Oh, and Ali, the manager at my local Starbucks, who's always been extra nice to me. I'm not ashamed to admit that I need help. Often. I mean, last week I googled how to sleep. So... Talking to a psychic on the phone for $90 an hour, I know that's so embarrassing, just didn't seem that out of the box for me. When Terry and I got on our phone call, she told me that she had spent a few minutes before meditating on our connection She said that she felt this really strong pain inside of her, specifically down her left arm, which made me worry for her medically. But she said that it's actually some kind of trauma that I'm carrying around with me and that I can let go of if I just let go of it. We talked about a lot of things, but what stuck out to me the most was the advice that she had for me. She said that we should learn from pain and then let it go and I haven't been so good at letting things go. So she suggested I do three things. One, buy a giant watermelon, take it outside, smash it with a hammer. Two, take more baths, or try to be near a giant body of water, ASAP. Three, cry more, like a lot more, and then capture your tears in a vial, and when it's full release them into a moving body of water like a creek or a river. Honestly, all of these sounded a lot better to me than taking weird herbs that came from God knows where in Glendale. So I was like, Terry, you know what? I'll take you up on this. So I ordered a watermelon from Walmart for pickup. Actually, I ordered two, one to smash and one to eat. And the one I ate was delicious And made me feel kind of guilty about smashing a watermelon. Terry, being the expert psychic that she is, actually predicted that I would feel this guilt. So, she told me that when I took the watermelon outside, I should set it down and I should thank the watermelon for sacrificing itself for my well-being. She also said to acknowledge the pain and talk to it. Say, hey, pain... Thank you so much for teaching me all of these lessons, but I have to politely ask you to leave. You're just not welcome here. You've you've overstayed. Yeah, it made me feel slightly better. So props to Terry. When giving me the watermelon smashing directions, Terry also said that I would be surprised at how much strength is needed to smash a watermelon. She said, if you start out wimpy and you just kind of with a hammer, you're not going to be able to break through the watermelon. You have to muster all of the strength that you have to demolish this fruit and to let the pain you've been carrying around go. Don't question what the pain is about. Don't question what caused it. Just let it go. That philosophy is a lot different than most of the therapy I do where I work to find the specific reason that I'm feeling crummy. It appealed to me that instead of sitting and talking about what was causing me pain, I was instead taking an action-oriented route. Very action-oriented. I think because Terry kind of challenged me not to be wimpy, I went ham on that watermelon. It took me about... 45 seconds to absolutely smash it to a pulp. Unrecognizable. It looked like I had committed a horrible, heinous watermelon murder. My legs were covered in watermelon juice and dirt. The watermelon's insides were strewn feet away from me. I wouldn't say I was surprised by my own strength, but I was feeling pretty proud of myself for following through. I could have easily written off Watermelon Smashing as, I don't know, kind of an unrealistic idea. Odd. Would I recommend Watermelon Smashing to you? Eh, maybe. Not going to lie, I was kind of hoping that I would smash the watermelon, find this deep anger inside of me that I didn't know I was carrying, and unleash an inner lioness kind of goddess strength that would not only release all of the negativity I had in my life, but also give me Michelle Obama arms and the ability to... I don't know, answer my emails quicker or go to sleep faster or I don't know, just be cured of all of my issues. But to be honest, I came, I smashed, cleaned up my legs, I cleaned up my Crocs, and that was kind of it. The act of pulverizing a fruit might be helping me subconsciously in ways that I can't see yet. And I guess overall, I'm glad I tried it. Her next recommendation was to take more baths, which was extremely easy for me. I love a good bath. However, it has been very, very hot here in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's usually about 97 degrees by the time it's, I don't know, 9 a.m. So I took some cold baths. Was it uncomfortable? Sure. I just pretended like I was one of those athletes taking an ice bath for whatever reason they do ice baths. And I would watch like an episode of a cartoon or, I don't know, shave my legs really slowly. And I would try to visualize my pain being washed away from my body. If I had to rate it on like a five-star relaxation rating, I would say it was like a... Like a f- 3 and then, 3.257. Because she also recommended to try to find a body of water to hang out near, I asked my boyfriend if we could go for a hike near this river in a mountain. Hiking stuff, outdoors. He found a hike that was supposed to be very easy. It was actually only like a mile each way. But the destination were these natural hot springs where you can sit in almost this, like, hot tub made out of rocks that just showed up there. Very cool. So we drive into the mountains. It's actually significantly cooler. So that automatically was relaxing. And we started walking. And there were a couple other people around, but we could definitely keep our distance safely. And we walked. And then we kind of had to climb up a little bit. And then the next thing I knew, we were basically scaling the side of a mountain. There was no one around anymore. We were still next to a river. It was just, I mean, I guess I would have to say about 500 feet below us, give or take. I'm scared of heights, so I was trying to put on my brave face. I mean, I was the one who asked if we could go on a hike. But after a particularly narrow pathway where I had to physically crawl like a baby because I was so afraid of falling off, I did burst into tears. But you know what? That leads me to the third recommendation that Terry had, which was cry more. I was killing two birds with one stone. Oh, I don't like that. I don't want to kill any birds. I was feeding two birds with one worm. Oh God, that's gross too. I was finding... Two cats and adopting them. Does that make sense? Good. For the record, we did find those natural springs. They were just on a completely different trail. About half a mile away from where we were. You live and learn. And actually, I kind of give myself a pat on the back for climbing a mountain and then turning around. Because I saw my reflection in the snow-covered hills, and then the landslide brought it down. Okay, I'm taking this seriously, okay? Mental health is very serious. Anyway, on to the third point. So Terry told me to cry more. I think about two nights after I spoke to her, there was a full moon. I went outside at night. I looked at the full moon. and. I sobbed my little face off. I really did. I cried like heaving sobs. Very physical. Very dehydrating. Very ugly. I'm glad it was dark, okay? I don't cry pretty, and and that's okay. It was probably the most mystical I felt during these three things that she told me to do. But unfortunately, the tear jar that I had ordered from a Chinese Etsy store had not arrived yet. So all of those tears just, you know, fell onto the ground or like on my shirt or whatever. So completely wasted. The way Terry presented the idea of a tear jar or a tear vial, you know, basically just like a little container to collect tears. She made it sound like I would just be able to go on Amazon and, and find, you know, like a 10-pack of them that they were readily available. Maybe I could, you know, get one at Walmart with my watermelon. It turns out the search was a little more difficult than that. There are quite a few people making and selling them on Etsy, but a lot of them are actually antique Tear vials from the Victorian era. They're gorgeous. They're glass. They have this beautiful metal detail on them. But I didn't have $250 to spend on a tear vial, mostly because I had just spent $90 talking to a psychic for an hour. Eventually, the internet guided me to a website called tearcatcher.com. It's a website, yep. Dedicated to tear catchers, they also have tear catcher accessories like little plates to put your tear jar on and like tiny mini urns in case you want to put your loved one's ashes next to your tear jar. I actually really liked this website because they take such pride in their work Whoever's running tearcatcher.com obviously loves what they're doing and loves the idea that a tear catcher could be an amazing gift either to say, look, I cried all these happy tears for you or to be like, oh my gosh, I I'm so sorry. I don't even have words. I just have my liquid tears for you. The copywriters of TearCatcher.com knew exactly what I was wondering. Do people really cry into these little jars? It turns out, sort of. They actually put on their FAQ page that, based on feedback, about 10% of customers capture their tears. They also had directions on how to capture your tears, and also a warning that Tears may change color over time, so don't be panicked if you look in your tear jar and uh, things are looking a little brown in there. The more I looked into tear jars, tear vials, tear catchers, I realized how much historical significance they have. Terry must have meant for this to happen, but I somehow found myself on a website called lacrimatory.com. I guess lacrimatory is just the fancy word for tear catcher. The homepage of lacrimatory.com stated, "If you have a passion for the history and emotional power of tear bottles, I think you'll enjoy the materials here." Yeah, they they were right. Lacrimatory.com was basically the Wikipedia for tear bottles. According to whoever's running Lacrimatory.com, in ancient Roman times, tear bottles were actually a way to measure somebody's popularity. I mean, the person had to die first, but people would cry into jars and tear bottles during the funeral procession. Apparently, sometimes women were actually paid to cry louder because, I don't know, the dead person's family wanted them to seem super extra popular. And rumor has it that the woman who cried the loudest got paid the most. I'm not usually one of those people who's like... Oh, I wasn't supposed to be born in this time. I totally should have been born in the past. Like, I'm such an old soul. But truly, I would have been amazing at that job. People of the Victorian era also used tear bottles. They would cry into the tear bottle when their loved one died. And then once all the tears were evaporated, the mourning period was over. So slap a smile back on that mug. (sighs) Actually, we should investigate this further, but I'm pretty sure that Victorians took mourning extremely seriously, especially for women. I think women were required to wear these giant black garments. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Caitlin Doty over at Ask a Mortician did a video on how these garments were not only super uncomfortable, but they were also, I think, dyed with like some kind of poison, maybe lead or arsenic or maybe both. So it was strange that the women who were supposed to be mourning the dead were also dying because of the traditional clothing that they had to wear. Is that a future episode? I think I think it should be. I'm still not done with lacrimatory.com. Um, it also shared that during this Civil War, women cried into tear bottles. And then when soldiers came home, the women would be like, hey, I made this for you. And it would just be like a little, you know, bottle of their tears. Which is kind of sweet. And these days, even though tear bottles aren't commonly used, I mean, I'd never heard of this until recently. There is this community of tear bottle collectors. And one of the biggest collections in the United States is at Harvard. So if you're looking for tear bottles, either go to Harvard or go to Etsy. It took over a month for my personal tier bottle to come in the mail because like I said I ordered it from China and uh I believe it was nine dollars and then maybe like twelve dollars in shipping and handling. Classy. I got a little vial that I could wear around my neck It's carved out of green calcite, which is supposed to be very cleansing, which is what we were going for, right? It fits in the palm of my hand, and truth be told, it didn't look like it had that much room in it. So I thought this will be very easy. Just one big cry and then off to the river I go to set my tears free. Terry told me to release all my collected tears into a moving body of water To symbolize that life moves on and go with the flow just around the river bend, you know? Life is moving. Emotions are a cycle. Actually, I kind of forget the specifics. But unfortunately, it's a lot harder than I thought to collect tears in a little bottle one specific day where it was just a perfect storm of PMS and not enough sleep, not enough food, just all the makings of a little temper tantrum from yours truly, I was sitting in the car crying a lot. And I mean, there was so much water coming out of my face, but I feel like almost no water went into the jar. I tried. So, I'm trying to keep the symbolism of the fact that tears are mine. They come out of my body and they represent letting go, going with the river, with the creek, with the stream. I'm still working on it, I guess. <laughs> okay, so why am I sharing this story? It's not because I necessarily want you to go outside and smash a banana or, you know, collect your tears in a red Solo cup and throw it into the ocean. It's because I want more stories out there that show the journey of mental health is messy. And a lot of times you might try something and it won't turn into a light bulb moment. Over this past weekend, I read a book by Glennon Doyle. It's not the one that everyone is loving right now called Untamed. It's actually her second book called Love Warrior. There were so many instances in the book. Um, Let me see. Like, for instance, she goes to yoga like one time, like one yoga class And she's like, I settled into my body. I finally wasn't floating out of myself. Like, I felt so grounded. And this other time, she goes to a breath work, like a 90 minute breath work workshop. And I think the exact word she used was that she turned into the sky, which is awesome. And, like, all power to her and to anyone who has a breakthrough trying something new. Like, that's freaking awesome. It's just never happened to me. (laughs) And, of course, she's writing a book and she's summarizing her experiences. So, of course, all of the trying and all of the searching you know, has to fit into a certain number of pages. So it makes sense that it feels like things developed really quickly. It's not the only book I've ever read where I felt this way, where I felt almost shamed because, I mean, I've been doing yoga for like 10 years and I still don't really like feel whatever I'm supposed to feel. I mean, sometimes I feel like stretchy Sometimes I feel really strong, but it's not this game-changing moment for me. So, yeah. I asked someone for advice, and then I took it. That in itself is an effort worth making. If I ever stop trying, I think I will just collapse into a puddle. And that puddle will not fit in a tear bottle, I'm telling you. It will be a mess. So we'll keep trying (laughs) everything. And if you're like me, where you ask experts for advice, you go through phases. Sometimes you wake up at 630 to go to Pilates and sometimes you're like, I accidentally slept until noon, but at least I was nice to myself today. (laughs) You're not alone. I'm here with you. And you know what? We'll just keep talking about it. I do want to leave you with one last tidbit from my conversation with Terry the Psychic. When we were saying goodbye, she was telling me a little bit more about... She was giving me just like one last piece of advice about what to say to my watermelon before I smashed it. And... She recommended that I say this to the negative feelings inside me. Bless you and your own mess. It's not welcome here. I don't need that chaos. (laughs) Bless you and your own mess. Even though I was supposed to say that to, I don't know, whatever negative forces were hiding inside that melon or inside my melon, whatever. I actually took it really personally. Bless you and your own mess. Bless you and your own mess. Bless you and also your mess, because it might be part of you, and that's perfectly okay. Thank you so much for being here with me this week. If you want to join in the fun on Instagram, we are at Sobcast all one word. Or if you want to support us on Patreon, we are patreon.com slash itstheseawolf. Sobcast the Podcast was created by me, Christina Wolfgram. It was edited by Tom Stevenson, produced by Stephanie Kent, and special thanks, as always, to my parents.